From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Uh Uh-oh, you're in trouble. Head to the Principal's office. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host, who can't wait for this whole thing to be over so he can once again host the show from my lap. Peter Sagan. Thank you, Bill. Later on, we are going to be talking to Joel McHale, star of the hit show Community, who is now hosting the new cooking show Crime Scene Kitchen. I know my kitchen has been a crime scene this whole pandemic, am I right? Because I murdered somebody in there. Anyway, you can confess your misdeeds when you give us a call to play our games. The number is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hey there, Sean Hopkins from Chicago. Hey, hey there, Sean. You sound. I'm just going to say this very relaxed. <laughs> Extremely. Extremely relaxed. I'm very glad. And what? And what do you do here? Here in Chicago. I work for a bicycle company, so uh, we are trying to figure out this bike shortage thing. Oh, yeah. But it's true that everybody decided to go get a bicycle during the pandemic, and now we have no more bicycles. Yeah, it's amazing, but horrifying at the same time. Really? Are people calling you up, jonesing for bicycles? It's like, Sean, man, you got to hook me up. Something, you know, just just something with 10 speeds, man. That's all I need. Just a, just a, just a little taste of a gear set. Come on, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, someone has done that, and then has regretted doing that. <laughs> I can oh. imagine. Well, Sean, welcome to our show. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, it's an Emmy and Peabody Award-winning writer who plays the role of Jesse in the hit Netflix show Big Mouth. It's Jesse Klein. Hi. Hey, Jesse. Next, a comedian who hosts the podcast Job Salit and who brings awareness to Asian American issues with her family's YouTube channel, Old Korean Dad Stories and Sometimes Mom. It's Helen Hong. Hey, Sean, CBD gummies, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) And making her debut on our panel, she wrote the Lifetime Christmas movie Holiday in Santa Fe, coming out later this year. And she hosts the podcast The Chicano Squad. It's Cristela Alonzo. Hey, what's up, Sean? You're like the Barry White of bike engineering. How you doing? Uh, Great. But I also love your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Sean. You're going to play Who's Bill this time, of course. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show, you might choose on your voicemail. You ready to do this? Let's go. All right, let's do it. Here's your first quote. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to subscribe. That was the headline from ABC News about the film studio MGM, owners of the James Bond franchise, being acquired by whom? Oh, boy. I, I, I love James Bond, but I hate to say that Amazon or Jeff Bezos might be the next Bond. So Amazon. Yes, exactly. He did it so he can cast himself. Yes, Amazon paid $8 billion for the Moribund movie studio, and most people think it's because of their film library. That includes the James Bond movies. But maybe Bezos isn't really interested in Bond, per se. He just wanted that huge repository of supervillain data. Be worried if the next thing Bezos acquires is a dormant volcano. Now, this is kind of a sad story, and not just because at this point most people think MGM is some kind of party drug. It's sad because by the time Jeff Bezos got around to buying up a studio, it was the only one left. It's like getting to the buffet late, and the only thing left is cold pineapple pizza. (laughs) Maybe he was just getting jealous that there's no, uh, the phrase is not Amazon and chill. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Like, there's no sex to Amazon. It's just, like, your toilet paper and then, uh, like, other old shows. You just want something longer. It is weird because, like, with Amazon, you don't chill, you prime, right? Exactly. Baby, you want to prime? This is... This is the problem for Amazon. As you probably know, uh, Disney bought like Star Wars and Marvel and HBO Max is part of the whole Warner Brothers thing. They got all the DC Comics, Batman. And apparently Amazon has had no success with their own material. They keep making these original movies, but people aren't into action movies in which the heroes are trying to defeat small independent bookstores. <laughs> Actually, I, you know, I, I'm a big James Bond fan. I sure. love James Bond. Like, and I'm thinking that now the next movie, you know, there's always a scene in every Bond movie where they introduce like the inventions that they made yes. for him. Yes. So now it's just like, it's now advertising from the site, you know, where it's just <laughs> like, oh, maybe you need this pasta strainer later yeah. on. Yeah. A Theragun? Oh, for my back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, here is your next quote. Charlie bit me. That was Bill doing the famous line from a video that is the latest internet meme to be sold as what? Or as a what? NFT. Yes, NFT, (laughs) the non-fungible token. Uh, Charlie bit my finger, the most viewed video ever on YouTube. It's nothing more than a toddler sticking his finger in his brother's mouth and then getting upset when the toddler bites him. Just sold for $750,000, which I'll be honest, was more than I planned on spending, but I think it's still (laughs) worth it. (laughs) Now, NFTs, if you haven't figured it out by now, are the supposed authentic original versions of internet memes and digital images that you can buy from their owners like individual works of art rather than something that's already been infinitely duplicated. It's like paying a fortune to own the word broccoli. You don't actually get any broccoli, and other people can say broccoli whenever they want, but when they do, you get to be all smug and say, ah, that's mine, you know. I still don't understand it. I I just can't understand it. It just makes me need to lie down. Anytime that a word happens that I don't understand, I'm like, oh, that came from TikTok. (laughs) yes and like i'm not even kidding i have avoided this conversation for so long that when it comes up i'm just like oh yeah like i just go with it like i you know it's kind of like when you don't see a movie and they're like have you seen this movie i'm like oh yeah totally and you don't know what it's about that's how i am are you running around going are you running around going no i'm totally fungible non-fungible i've got all the fungibles like i'm (laughs) pro-fungible i was up i was up all last night funging what are you talking about oh my fungi like you know Amazon and Fudge, am I right? <laughs> That's my jam. Non-fungible tokens are like my jam. I totally get it. By the way, by the way, getting back to Charlie bit, bit my finger. By the way, um, if you want to feel old, both oh, children no. in that video died Don't... long, long ago. <laughs> oh, way to make it dark, dark. Peter. Wow. Jeez. Dark. Wow. Wow. All right, Sean, we got one more quote for you. Sean, your last quote is an honest review of a big reunion this week. I was surprised to be so touched by the actual people who made this wretched show. That was a BuzzFeed reporter talking about what big TV reunion that was broadcast this week. Is that Friends? It is Friends. (laughs) You don't sound thrilled about it. That's right. Friends is back after 17 years with a special reunion episode entitled The One Where Everyone is Jowlier. This was on this like premium channel and HBO Max. People presumably paid to watch this. In my day, this would have been a pretty lame DVD extra. 
That said, it was interesting to see how white people age when they have an infinite amount of money. <laughs> I did not see it because I did have a crush on Joey Tribbiani back in the day in the height of the show. And, you know, I, was I, Joey I saw... Tribbiani the one who was played by Chandler Bing? And I should say right now, I've never watched Friends. <laughs> Both of those are characters. Oh, damn it. Oh, wow. Peter. Peter. I just had this tremendous urge to say, Dad, but you're not my dad. No, Joey Tribbiani was like the the hot, dumb one. Uh Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc. And they've all, and I saw a a still image of the reunion, and everybody just looks doughier. And I just, I didn't want, I didn't want Well. To be fair, the men look doughier. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there I is did still that. not an extra ounce of BMI on any of the ladies. The men, oh, on the other hand, true. a snooch doughier. Yeah. My favorite was David Schwimmer. I had a crush on David Schwimmer. It's like, controversial I, and brave of you to say that out loud, I will say. I feel like he gets the most, there's like the most anti-Ross feeling for him. Oh, uh, to me, I oh man. But I'm I, with you. I like a Schwimmer. I, I, I love a swimmer. My type of guy is a swimmer. It's I'll go for a, a swim anytime. <laughs> Did anybody notice, by the way, that the 17-year period between Friends Going Off the Air and the reunion is exactly the same as the Brood 10 Cicadas? Which is oh. which is further proof that they're related. At the reunion on HBO Max, Ross and Rachel mated and then immediately died. <laughs> Had not put those things together. Well, I know, hey. I know. So, Bill, Bill, how did Sean do in our quiz? Sean got them all right. Congratulations, right. Sean. Well done. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Take care. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Helen, Japanese billionaire Yusaku Mezawa purchased one of the first spots on a commercial flight to the International Space Station, and he announced that one of the experiments he might do while he's up there is what? Uh, 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 can I have a hint, please? You, well, I mean, this is something, This is he's trying to answer questions that people have always wondered. Uh, for example, like, is velocity related to how loud it is? Is it related um, to how bad it smells? Farts. Exactly. Oh. Well, he said that he will see if he can find out if farting in space propels you through the air. Oh, man. Uh, he said, I'm going to ask everybody in the world to send me ideas for the kind of experiments they'd like me to do. And he gave as examples, quote, do you move forward when you fart in space? What happens when you play Pokemon Go in space? Unquote. Now, we're eager... <laughs> To find out about the farting, sir, but we're pretty sure if you go outside to look for a Pokemon, you will instantly die. <laughs> On the other hand, sound does not travel in a vacuum, so as they say in space, no one can hear you fart. I I don't know this person, uh, the, but I'm going to hazard the a guess that they're exhausting. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. It's just like to really like you think maybe uh, his gonna... tri- maybe his trip to orbit was suggested by his wife perhaps i am just going to and i again i could be wrong and i apologize to this gentleman but on the other hand all of the evidence in front of me just calling it science when you say your fart thing when there's so many cancers to be cured i'm just come on man 
Coming up, we read the classics and the not-so-classics in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the NPR Wine Club. Get the world of wine delivered to your home. When you join the NPR Wine Club, you'll receive stories inside every bottle and favorite NPR shows and personalities arriving in liquid form like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Cabernet Sauvignon. The NPR Wine Club is a delicious way to support NPR's programming. If you are 21 or older, uncork your special offer at nprwineclub.org. An officer pins a 16-year-old to the ground and punches out his teeth. But are there any consequences for the cop? For the first time, we take you inside the secret investigations that show how police protections in California shield officers from accountability. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Cristela Alonzo, Jesse Klein, and Helen Hong. And here again is your host, anxiously awaiting the Suddenly Susan reunion special. Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff, the listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello, this is Cameron. I'm calling from Logan, Utah. Oh, Logan, Utah, which is a very beautiful part of that state. What do you do there? So I graduated from Utah State University with an acting degree, and four years of acting school landed me to act as a liquor store clerk. Right. <laughs> well, going right... I'll say going right from getting your acting degree to the liquor store saves a lot of intermediate steps. So think of it as being efficient. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, Cameron, welcome to our show. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Cameron's topic? They can't all be winners. For every great Gatsby, there's a crappy Gatsby that never got published. This week, we read about a previously unknown and unpublished work by a classic author. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice in your voicemail. You ready to play? Absolutely. All right. First up, let's hear from Helen Hong. According to a recent interview, Amy Tan, author of moving dramatic novels like The Joy Luck Club and The Bone Setter's Daughter, wrote a spin-off children's book about when the bone setter's daughter got her first bra, which can magically talk. I wanted to teach young girls that they have support, literally, but also that they can choose to go braless, said Tan, who also revealed she was going commando. It was a weird interview. Allegedly, the unpublished book features a talking bra whose name is Barbara, and of course, it's a classic good cup, bad cup story. Barbara goes on adventures with young Ruth, where they do fun activities like running, jumping, and walking in and out of cold buildings, while the angel cup says things like, Ruth, doesn't the support feel good? While Lefty whispers devilish encouragements like, take it off, Ruth, and let them fly free. The end of the book returns to Tan's dramatic and emotional tone when Ruth outgrows the A cup for a B. And just like the end of The Velveteen Rabbit, Barbara the Bra must be burned. Amy Tan with an unpublished novel about a talking bra providing support to its human friend. Your next story of an unknown book comes from Cristela Alonzo. Uh, so this is about Edgar Allan Poe. I love him and I'm not kidding. I Google him, I research him, obviously, and 
I actually found that Edgar Allan Poe wrote what some would refer to as a cookbook nowadays, but not your basic cookbook. This one had gatherings, as he called them, instead of recipes. So the gatherings were kind of based on hunter-gatherer things where you would collect things and make dishes that you would eat while you were reading some of his stories. And it included recipes or gatherings called like the raven pie, the telltale chicken heart, and also liver. The peach pit and the pendulum. It was one of those things that he thought, you know what, if we start with morbid when we eat, we can understand my world better. The title of the book is called The Delicious Morbidities Cookbook. A cookbook by Edgar Allan Poe to help market his stories. Your last story of a not published novel comes from Jesse Klein. Professor Gavin Jones, a British expert in American literature, is calling on the Steinbeck estate to release the manuscript of Steinbeck's early novel, Murder at Full Moon, which has been locked away since Steinbeck failed to find a publisher for it in 1930. The novel is about a small California town ripped in fear by a series of gruesome murders. And, spoiler alert for a 90-year-old unpublished novel you'll probably never be allowed to read, it's a werewolf. Professor Jones says, quote, even though it is very different from Steinbeck's other work in a totally different genre, it actually relates to his interest in violent human transformation, to which the Steinbeck estate has responded, dream on, pal. It's a shame, because think of what would have happened if Steinbeck had been allowed to pursue his real passion. Here's Tom Joad at the end of Griefs of Wrath talking to his ma. I'll be everywhere, wherever you look. Wherever there's a body horribly mutilated with no earthly explanation, I'll be there. Wherever an ungodly monster spreads terror, I'll be there, Ma. Also, <laughs> All right, here are your choices. One of these was a real book by a real author that we found out about this week. Was it? From Helen Hong, the great novelist Amy Tan writes a book about a talking bra. From Cristela Alonzo, a cookbook put together by Edgar Allan Poe as a companion for his stories, for his fan base. Or from Jesse Klein, a werewolf novel, unpublished and written by the great John Steinbeck years before he won that Nobel. Which of these is the story of a real manuscript we found out about in the week's news? I think it's the Steinbeck. You think it's the Steinbeck? You're going to go for the Steinbeck yes. werewolf novel, the idea that John Steinbeck wrote a werewolf novel. All right. Well, we actually spoke to a scholar who has helped us discover this lost work. It's an unpublished manuscript by John Steinbeck that was a murder mystery detective uh, werewolf novel. That was Gavin Jones, the Remus family professor in the humanities at Stanford University and author of the upcoming book, Reclaiming John Steinbeck, Writing for the Future of Humanity, talking about Steinbeck's lost werewolf novel. Congratulations! You got it right! You're into point for Jesse. You have won our prize, the voice of your choice Woo! on your voicemail. Yay. Cameron, thank you so much for playing. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh! And now the game where people who've gone a long way come back to pick up something they somehow forgot to do while passing through. It's called Not My Job. Joel McHale was a comedian who hosted a talk show about the stuff that goes on in other talk shows. After that, he starred in the groundbreaking comedy community, did a whole bunch of other TV shows and movies, and he's now back to hosting, including an interesting new baking competition. 
called Crime Scene Kitchen, which I hope is not about using blood as an ingredient. Joel McHale, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you for the clapping. You're welcome. Just calm down, everybody. <laughs> calm down. Uh, you have done so many things, but I actually want to start with the thing that you're doing now. Um, right. Crime Scene Kitchen. Can you explain this show to us? <laughs> I'd like you to explain it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so nice of you. No, it's called the Crime Scene Kitchen, where it's a competition baking show. And um, there's 12 teams of bakers, and they get to go into this thing called the Crime Scene Kitchen, and they have to make a dessert while a person slowly bleeds out. <laughs> you have to complete it before the person dies. Okay, no, uh, it's, um, the, the bakers don't know what they're supposed to make, but in the crime scene kitchen, there's something, something has been baked there and there's evidence left, like a little pile of cocoa powder or like some fondant on a fork or like uh, some wax paper with some sort of pattern. And then they kind of go, I think it's this dessert. And then they go back and they have to make it. And then we see at the end of the round, we reveal what it was. And whoever gets closest, they kind of, uh, they move forward. And whoever really screws it up, which happens a lot, uh, they, wow. uh, one team gets eliminated. So it's on Fox after uh, Gordon Ramsay's show, MasterChef. Wow. And and I, great. I, did they come up with the show or did you come up with the show? I don't know. I, I just hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What's interesting to me is, you, you, I mean, forgive me for not going, knowing you're in your early career, but I first became aware of you when you were hosting uh, Talk Soup, right? Which was a- was, No, that was my early career. Okay. So Talk Soup was a show which was about other television shows, yes. including like reality shows. So you would get, and you would just yeah. talk about like the crazy things that had happened on the various- franchises and other networks did you actually yep. like those shows were you excited to talk about them do you like reality tv no no <laughs> no uh no there was some shows that i really liked and then others were not great uh I, and those were the most fun to make fun of sure uh and uh you know but there were really good reality shows like dirty jobs to this day goes down as one of my favorite reality shows of all time oh yeah it, it's rare for people who who succeed in Hollywood to make fun of other people in the industry. So have you ever uh, had the experience of like running into some of the people you talk trash about on that old show and them not being happy with you? Uh, without, ex the only person that got mad was Tyra Banks. And I have since talked to her and she was cool, but uh, everybody else, every single reality star, no matter who I made fun of, they would, if I met them, they would be like, thank you so much. My mom was so happy uh, that you uh, made fun of me on Bachelor in Paradise. So, and I was like, yeah, when you were walking around naked and high, it was wonderful for us. So uh, then the Kardashians once in a while would, when they first started, would call when we would make fun of them. Yeah. So Chris Kardashian was like a, like a mom next door and our ball would go into her yard. And then she'd be like, <laughs> This is mine. I'm keeping this. And <laughs> the, the president of the network would call me and be like, hey, can you just lay off the Kardashians this week? And I'll be like, yeah, no problem. And then we would go right back. And then sure. and then they became the most famous people on the planet. And then they could care less. Right. Before you got that gig, you were a stand up primarily, right? No, I didn't no. Just start doing stand up until after the soup. Because my one of my agents said, hey, if you go to comedy clubs and just introduce comics, you're going to see all your fans and, and, you know, make extra money because I wanted a pool. And sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's kind of how that came together. And so now I've been doing stand up for 16 years. 
Right. Uh, and uh, I, at some point it's going to start working. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of how I backed into that. I did. I was primarily an actor before the suit. Right, right, right. I, 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 I once heard the story that like you were on stage and performing and it went so badly, the audience tried to physically hurt you. Yeah, this, that definitely uh, happened. Uh, I had to when, run out. And what happened? What did you do? That was so offensive to them. Uh, I was making fun of Fresh Air with Terry Gross, and they were like, "Enough! <laughs> Hold enough. me back! Hold me back!" Mike, they jumped at. Yeah, I had to run away. Uh, I think they, they got so mad, and I don't know what was going on. They clearly did, were not fans of the soup, and uh, no, and no. Uh, I, I'm a person that can't stop going if I'm challenged. So each comic got right. 20 minutes. So I grabbed the clock that was the countdown clock and I turned it around and said, I'm staying on stage until this clock is at zero. And they didn't like that. <laughs> they did not like that at no. all. And uh, I ran, I ran wow. away. It was a very weird feeling. Yes, to physically <laughs> flee. So, so you went on, you left that show and you were on Community, which was like this great. No, I did them at the hit. same time and I'm no. not kidding. Oh yeah. wow! You went back and forth from the set of Community. To I would soup? I would wow. go to a Community, get my makeup on, run over to E, tape the soup, and then run back and shoot all day. It was good times. Oh, and and Community, I've heard these stories. Like the set of Community was weird. <laughs> uh, I don't know who's ever told you that it was harmonious. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was bananas. But <laughs> I, I am literally on a group text with the cast, and we talk to each other almost uh, probably every other day. If something comes up, we we all comment on sure. it. So uh, we yeah. we we did a table read last year, and I burst out crying at the end of it because I missed everybody so much. Oh, you did one of those reunion table reads that some of the shows were doing last year as sort of fundraising. No, we did a reading of Modern Family, dude. <laughs> okay, that also makes sense. <laughs> no, and not for charity. We just wanted to make more money. <laughs> Two pools. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Joel McHale, it is pretty much a joy to talk to you but we have in fact asked you here to play a game this time we're calling all about community theater oh community nice. theater you were you see you were the star of the sitcom community we're going to ask you some questions about community theater answer two out of three questions correctly you will win our prize for one of our listeners bill who is joel McHale playing for julie phillips of madison wisconsin all right. You ready to do this? Julie, I just want to apologize in advance. All right. Here's your first question. Community theater, as you know, does Broadway shows, but on a fraction of the budget. This can lead to some embarrassing moments, as in which of these, which happened during a Lawrence University production of Into the Woods. A, they couldn't afford a big bad wolf costume, so they had to use the school mascot. Thus, Little Red Riding Hood was eaten by a giant chipmunk. B, in the scene where Jack sells his cow, Jack turned around too fast and the cow's leg flew off into the audience. Or C, they didn't have understudies, so when one actor got sick, the other actors had to refer to the invisible prince. <laughs> the first two seem silly. Uh, so I'm going to say <laughs> it's the last one because that sounds like something community theater people would do. No, it was actually, it was actually the cow leg. It was a cow that flew off into the audience. You're welcome, Julia. You have two more chances here. You have not lost. If you went to a community theater in Greenwich Village in 1974, you might have seen a seven-year-old Vin Diesel in his very first acting role. How did he get that part? A, the show's director caught him breaking into the theater and said she would not call the cops if he would be in the play. B, he was hiding from police in a tire when it got rolled on stage. Or C, he just straight up had the... Best audition for the role of Murray in Neil Simon's The Odd Couple. Wow. Um, 
It's the first one. It is the first one. When, yes, he and his friends were delinquents. They broke into the theater. They were caught. And the lady said, hey, if you enroll in my theater course and perform in these plays, I will not report you to the cops. And all right, get this last one right and you whim. In one particular community theater production of Oliver, the musical, the director fired the actor who was playing the villain Bill Sykes in the middle of the run. But he didn't have an understudy, so the fired actor got to do one more show. What happened? A, the audience was treated to a new Bill Sykes song in the musical called The Director Sucks and Here's Why. B, he kept calling the other actors by their real names and asking them why they were talking in fake British accents and bursting into song. Or C, in the scene where Bill is shot to death, he got back up like a zombie, crawled across the stage, and pretended to strangle young Oliver, then announced to the audience, Oliver is dead. And then announced to the audience, Oliver is dead, and stomped out of the theater. He did it twice? No, I just repeated myself because I hit my lamp. Oh, sorry. Uh, that would have been really weird. <laughs> it would have been really weird. No, no, we get your joke, sir. We got it the first time. <laughs> It's like, it's, it would be funny if he did it, walked out of the theater, came back and said, no, wait a minute, did it again, just no, no, to no, emphasize no, the point. Yeah, you, you already, it's already ruined. Um, right. Yeah. All right. So then in that case, I would say, I would say it's the last one because that was the last scene of the thing. Exactly right. That was his exit. And that's what he did. Exactly right. Very well done. Apparently the, 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 the kid playing Oliver was like, what do I do? This is crazy. And he finally decided the only thing to do was to play along. So he went ah, and died, died. Quotation. <laughs> that mark. is so great. And it was the best production of just, Oliver ever. Right? Just be like, Oliver, is a, Oliver. Oliver is a whiny little brat. You want him killed. Let's admit it. Okay. That's not where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Joe McHale do in our quiz? Well, here the crime scene kitchen cries out for more gruel, more, sir. You may not realize it, Joe, <laughs> but bam. you're a winner. You're a winner. <laughs> Two out of three. That was amazing, Bill. That was. Oh my gosh, this wow. is a dream come true, and I'm not kidding. I do listen to this show, and I cannot believe I'm on it. So this is crazy. You did it. You did it. Come back. You did it. Joel McHale's new show, Crime Scene Kitchen, airs Wednesdays on Fox. Joel McHale, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye-bye, bye bye. Bye, Joel. Bye, you guys. Joel. Thank you. I really appreciate bye. it. See Take care. You. Bye. Bye. In just a minute, it's a mile-high limerick game. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Jo shares the unique benefits of therapy. Being in therapy is this very intimate, unique experience to have this other person see you, this other person acknowledge who you are, and accept all of it, you know, and like figure out the bits and pieces that you don't want to accept to change that stuff for the better. Even if you're not struggling with something necessarily, but you just want to learn a little bit more about who you are, you want to function a little bit better in your relationships with people or change the way that you approach habits, doing that together with somebody else can be very powerful and impactful to talk this out and process this together as two humans. To get matched with a counselor and get 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash wait.
This message comes from NPR sponsor Zillow, committed to helping make the selling of your house less stressful. With Zillow resources, you can explore the value of your home, get a seller's guide to listing your property, or work with an agent. Zillow also offers cash for your home so you can skip the hassles of open houses and buyer drama. Select Markets only, subject to home eligibility. Zillow Inc. is a licensed real estate brokerage in 50 states. Visit Zillow.com slash offers for details. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Jesse Klein, Christella Alonzo, and Helen Hong. And here again is your host... Just two shows away from finally completing NPR's host training program. Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill takes a trip to his favorite store, Total Rhyme and More, in our Listener Limerick Challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 888 Right now, panel, though, time for some more questions for you from the week's news. Jesse, new research into lady mice shows that unlike <laughs> Thank you. male mice, I try to be polite about the mice, new research into lady mice shows that unlike male mice, they do what? All the work? No, yes, obviously. <laughs> I'm we knew still, this. Wait, I'm still recovering from lady mice. <laughs> lady mice. You couldn't go with mice-sets, Peter? Mice-sets. <laughs> um, wait, lady mice do something, they discover that, that they do something Yeah, it's men, a difference between mice the behavior of, of female mice and a certain species and male mice. Sacrifice for the good of others? Take responsibility for their actions? I don't know. Give me a hint. <laughs> well, when it happens, Jesse, these lady mice, they tend to put on sweatpants and sit around eating tiny pints of mice cream. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I just died. Wait, wow. they, get, they get like lady mice depressed? Yeah, they get lady mice depressed because of? Because of the men mice? Yes, because they get their hearts broken. True. Wow. There's a specific breed of mouse called the California mouse, and they mate for life, or at least that's what he promised at the altar, but it turns out there's some <laughs> tramp in the hole down the wall he's been tangling Whoa. whiskers with. Anyway, a new study shows that when a male California mouse loses a partner, they'll instantly go out and find a new one, whereas a female mm. California mouse mm. will wait an average of 10 extra days before getting back out there in the mouse single bars. It's because oh she's getting a new sound. hairdo. Yeah, she's getting a new so hairdo. She's got a haircut, and she's got to like do the Hallmark Channel marathon. Yeah. How do you just... how do you help a brokenhearted female mouse get her groove back? What do you say? It's like I know you're hurt now, but it's better than being glue trapped in a bad relationship. <laughs> By the way, we have never heard of California Mouse. California Mouse sounds like knockoff Mickey Mouse that doesn't want to get sued by Disney. <laughs> Helen, this week, Tinder announced a new feature which will double-check with users before allowing them to do what? Um, before allowing them to uh, DM someone, a potential hottie? Exactly right. Oh, I wonder, how, I wonder how I knew that. <laughs> I have no idea, Helen. Specifically, it will ask you to double check, take a second, and think about it before using yes. a terrible pickup line. Yeah, a lot of unthought out DMing. Right. And right. Exactly. That, that's exactly the problem. And this is supposed to help with it. The dating app calls their new feature, and this is true. Are you sure? And it uses, <laughs> that's what it's called. And it uses, which you got to like, right? And oh my it God. uses AI to sort of scan the pickup lines that you're trying. 
and it it can tell if it's particularly bad. What? So it won't give you the feature every single time. It just right. Decides? It's it, the idea is that it actually <gasps> know, it can what? see what you're sending. And if it detects certain like bad ideas, if you will. Oh. Is bad idea a euphemism for picture of a penis? <laughs> <laughs> I am guessing. What about you up? Instant yeah. triggering. Are you, you up? But, sure. But imagine imagine being on an, an app for the first time and you just you're so nervous. You spend like an hour worrying right. what you're gonna write. Right, and then right, right. as as you're gonna send it, they're like, yo, you sure about this? As <laughs> someone who is an avid, avid dating app user, Christella, I guarantee you no one is spending an hour picking <laughs> what they're gonna write. <laughs> Literally no one. It definitely seems like are you sure that the are you sure feature should start with the profiles. I do I do <laughs> love like, Really? The picture is you in your sunglasses in front of a gun store? Are you sure? The the company says this feature will help reduce harassment on the app and will help That's what they say. And will help facilitate more real life connections. The reactions have been great, like thanks Tinder for teaching that weirdo how to hide his enormous red flags until at least the third date. <laughs> yeah. Cut to a year from Isn't now when Tinder's like, well, According to our data, 99.9% of dudes are sure. (laughs) Coming up, it's lightning fell in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at 1-888-WAIT-WAIT. That's 1-888-924-8924. Or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. You can check out our Wait Wait Instagram, which is frankly way better than the show at this point. I mean, really. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi. Hi, who's this? This is Heidi Voigt. I'm uh, from Marquette, Michigan. Hi, Heidi. I'm the head swim and dive coach for the men and women of Northern Michigan University. Somehow you knew what I was going to ask. That's very exciting, the swim and dive I know. My sons and I listen to your show all the time. We love it. That's great. Um, I've always wondered about this. You're the dive coach, right? Uh, Swimming and diving. So, I mean, I understand swimming. How do people get into competitive diving? How does that happen? A lot of the times, it's uh, hurt gymnasts. Hurt gymnasts? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yep, converted gymnasts. You just have to teach them to land on their head instead of their feet. So the the dive coaches are like hanging around the gym competitions, waiting for somebody to be dragged out in a stretcher, going, here's my card, call me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Heidi. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with that last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a big winner. You ready to play? I am. All right. Here is your first limerick. Opposable digits aren't dumb. They show just how far we have come. Evolution demands to enhance both my hands. And that's why I've attached one more. Thumb. Right. Who's got two thumbs and wants another one? Not this guy. (laughs) Uh, A new robotic thumb developed at the University College London will let you hitchhike twice as far. It attaches to your hand next to your pinky, the other side from your existing thumb, and it promises to help people do difficult things more dexterously, like uh, master the guitar, palm a basketball, intimidate rivals with a confusingly full handshake. It's very creepy, it's mechanical, and you control it with a sensor in your shoe, under your big toe. So Guys, know, I'm going to say it. Whatever. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woof. 
All right, here is your next limerick. Back in coach, my bride's dad is upset because our wedding has put him in debt. Something old, something new, but no deal on JetBlue. For our wedding, he's rented a... A jet? A jet, yes. In order to get around COVID restrictions on large gatherings, a couple in India had their wedding on a plane this week. It's sort of the upstairs version of international waters. The the 161 guests got all the hassle and air sickness of a destination wedding without the destination. The ceremony was beautiful. The confetti dropped with the oxygen masks. The pilot <laughs> officiated. Uh, hello, uh, dearly beloved uh, from the cockpit. Uh, we are gathered here today. <laughs> the only problem was the bride had to wait for the drink cart to go by before she could walk down the aisle. (laughs) And this was just to get around COVID restrictions. Right. The idea is like they've banned large gatherings, but these people wanted to have all their friends at their wedding. And one exception to large gatherings is people are allowed to fly on a plane. Isn't it amazing how weddings bring out people's best selves? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got one more limerick for you. Here we go. Six feet deep. What an effort we gave. Some good time we were able to shave. And my shovel still flies with our eyes on the prize for how quickly we're digging a... Grave? Grave, yes. The annual grave digging competition was last week in Siberia where where the winning team shaved 14 minutes off the previous record. But I don't need to tell you that. I know you all watched it. The... (laughs) Two-man team finished their grave in just 38 minutes, and it was a huge upset, meaning it was hugely upsetting to watch teams of men dig graves as fast as they could next to a Siberian crematorium. The annual competition, which is intended to, quote, attract younger generations to careers in the funeral industry, doesn't do that. Wow. They should have that next to the hot dog eating contest. They really should. (laughs) I feel like they... They would help each other out. That would be so weird if, like, Joey Chestnut is shoving all these hot dogs in his mouth and he looks to his left and somebody's digging a grave as fast as they can. Peter, I appreciate how close to top of mind the name Joey Chestnut was for you. (laughs) Everybody has their enthusiasms, Jesse. I don't know what sports you follow. Well, here's the thing. I knew exactly who you were talking about, so game meets game. My question is... Um, how do you practice? How do you train? <laughs> Somebody's mama's backyard is really messed up right now. Guys, I'm having dark. the urge to try it one more time just to see if it works. Here it goes. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Heidi do in our quiz? Heidi did perfect. Very good score, and it was hard. Congratulations. Thank you. You uh, in there. You did. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Well, Peter, with three points each, we have a three-way tie. Whoa. Oh, wow. Three-way tie. Whoa. This is exciting. This is exciting. I'm just going to arbitrarily, I think, choose Helen to go first. The clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill in the blank. After the country forced down a flight carrying a dissident journalist, the EU barred planes from flying over blank. Oh, Belarus. Belarus, right. This week, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy 
criticized comments made by Representative Blank comparing mask mandates to the Holocaust. Oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, is it? Yes, on Monday, the White House announced it was doubling spending to help communities prepare for extreme blank. Weather? Right. This week, police in Georgia released an advisory asking residents to stop calling 911 to report blank. Raccoons. No, loud cicadas. A new Florida law signed on Monday will fine social media platforms if they ban blanks. Politics? Close enough. Politicians, yeah. This week, a baseball player in Cleveland was put on the injured list after he broke his thumb blanking. Um, hitchhiking. No, taking off his shirt too aggressively. (laughs) After a particularly frustrating game, Cleveland pitcher Jack Playsack was in the locker room and fractured his thumb by, quote, rather aggressively ripping off his shirt. The team doctor isn't sure how long the right-hander, or I guess now left-hander, will be out for, but it will be at least however long it takes for the team's tailor to replace his buttons with snaps. <laughs> Bill, how did how did Helen do on our quiz? She did four right, eight more points. She now has 11 in the lead. All right. Jesse, why don't you go next? Fill yeah. in the blank, Jesse. On Tuesday, prosecutors in New York convened a grand jury to consider evidence in a case against blank. Donald Trump. Right. On Thursday, Senate Republicans unveiled a counteroffer to President Biden's $2.3 trillion blank bill. Uh, budget? No, in this case, infrastructure. This week, the Japanese doctors' union warned about the risk of a coronavirus variant at the 2021 blanks. Olympics. Yes. On Tuesday, Georgia's governor signed an executive order barring state agencies from requiring blank passports. Vaccine passports. Right. In a unanimous vote, the government of Quebec said the province needs its own blank immediately. Government? No, its own emoji. On Monday, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that New York would not offer remote blank options in the fall. Um, school. Right. This week, Alabama overturned their decades-old ban on doing blank in schools. Um, oh, yoga. Yes. After he lost a bet, French President Emmanuel Macron was forced to blank. Uh, eat, uh, frozen food. No, to invite the metal band Ultra Vomit to his residence and sit through their concert. (laughs) So Macron challenged YouTube stars McFly and Carlito to put up a COVID awareness video, and he told them if it breaks 10 million views, he would sit through a concert from grindcore band Ultra Vomit. They did. He honored the bet. There's even video of the president sitting through the concert with a smile plastered on his face, but you can tell he's not enjoying it. After all, we know Macron is really more of a barf boys guy. (laughs) Bill, how did Jesse do in our quiz? Well, she had five more for 10 more points. She now has 13 and slips into the lead, Jesse. All right. And how many then, uh, Bill, does Cristela need to win? Five to tie and six to win. Here we go. This is for the game. Fill in the blank. GOP senators are expected to filibuster the creation of a commission to investigate the attack on the blank. Uh, the Capitol. Right. On the one-year anniversary of his death, the family of blank visited the White House. George Floyd. Yes. This week, the CDC reported that half of Americans are fully blanked. Vaccinated. Right. On Tuesday, two climate change activists were added to blank's board of directors. Oh. Uh, 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 science. No. ExxonMobil's. After Florida banned event spaces from barring unvaccinated people, one music venue got around the prohibition by blanking. By becoming a hospital. No, by charging vaccinated people $18 for tickets and anyone else $999. On Thursday, U.S. blank claims fell to a new pandemic low. Um, unemployment. Right. On Tuesday, former Jeopardy host Blank received a posthumous Emmy nomination for Best Game Show Host. Who is Alex Trebek? Exactly. This week, a woman in Texas lost her job after an Instagram video showed her blanking at the El Paso Zoo. Uh, Taunting animals. 
uh, not specific enough, it showed her climbing into the spider monkey enclosure to feed the monkeys hot Cheetos. Uh, climbing into the spider monkey enclosure <laughs> to feed them Cheetos. <laughs> you have to say it before I do. Oh, that's weird. The paralegal lost her job after being seen jumping into the enclosure and reaching into her bag to feed hot Cheetos to the curious monkeys. So I guess it's illegal now to give spider monkeys their best day ever. <laughs> well, they like Fritos. They were offended. They, I'm sorry. Everybody knows that. Bill, how did Cristela Alonso do on her quiz? Well, Cristela had five right, ten more points. That means with 13, she and Jesse are co-champions. Whoa! Congratulations. Well done. Wait, wait, don't tell me. It's a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our house manager is Gianna Cappadona. Our social media superstar is Emma Choi. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Litterman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas. Our candle maker is Peter Gwyneth Paltrow. Technical direction from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer, that's Ian Chillog and the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the next big, exciting reunion? Jesse Klein. Um, I think there will be a reunion of the Trump White House just for the people who had COVID, which means everyone from the Trump White House will be there. Helen Hong. Vladimir Putin is thrown a surprise party by all the people he's poisoned over the years. Surprise, we're alive, jerk face. And Christella Alonso. People fired from the Trump administration reunite to see who sold more books. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Jesse Klein, Helen on Christelle Alonzo, you made a great debut. It was great to have you. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. I'm Peter Sagal, and we will see you next week. This is NPR.